join me, Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, for soulful conversations with my community of travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. We might all agree that we are missing travel right now. These conversations highlight what tourism really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. In each episode, you'll hear the story of industry professionals and seasoned travelers who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. This is the soul of travel. I'm so excited to be welcoming you to the first episode of Soul of Travel. Today, I am speaking with Gabriella Stoll from the Adventure Travel Trade Association. She is a lifelong nature lover and supporter of sustainable tourism practices. Gabby was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. She fell in love with nature and the outdoors at an early age. At 12, she joined an NGO that protected and studied the ecology of the forest land in southeastern Brazil. This love led her to study ecology, and later she went on to receive her MBA to continue to support businesses in the tourism sector. She has been a tourism guide, rafting guide, worked in an eco-resort where she created its adventure department and was responsible for guest activities and the sustainability program. Today, she works at the Adventure Travel Trade Association as its regional manager for Latin America, working closely with members and partners in countries across Latin America for all of their strategic adventure tourism needs. During our conversation, we take a look at community-based tourism and how fostering connections with local people and small businesses when we travel can not only enhance your travel experience, but can create a positive economic impact for the destination. We also discuss being intentional when we travel and how that intention shifts the way we interact, as well as being mindful that we are guests in a destination and should honor that privilege. Gabby and I also dive into the role of women in the tourism industry at all levels of the supply chain and how there is room for a larger presence of women as well as a space to share their personal experiences and challenges they have faced. We also look at how tourism in rural communities, sharing of the crafts of artisans, and connecting to women as we travel can create economic opportunity for women, and how that can help to begin to shift gender roles and empower women to step into leadership in their communities. For more information about the Adventure Travel Trade Association, please visit www.adventuretravel.biz. Welcome to the soul of travel. Enjoy my conversation with Gabby Stoll. So I'm going to give you a chance to just uh, introduce yourself, uh, tell us a little bit about um, who you work for and what you do, and then um, also just a little bit of your background in the tourism industry. Okay. So yes, I'm Gabby. I am Brazilian. So if you hear an accent, that's why. (laughs) So I uh, grew up there. I did my whole life until I was like 30 and I moved uh, here to the US. So it's been 
Uh, I was like 35, 36 when I moved here. So um, yeah, I graduated in ecology. So I always loved nature growing up. I uh, grew up in Sao Paulo State in Brazil, uh, did a lot of uh, hikes in a local forest, founded a small NGO when I was like 12 years old or something with a group of friends. And uh, and I always loved to take people to nature. And so then I, it was a natural thing to do ecology as a graduation. Uh, and I did my first year uh, in Rio Claro, in Naspe University. And then I quit for two years to do an internship in Cayman Lodge, which is in the Pantanal. Uh, and that was like, I was 19 years old. And that was um, back in the day where internet wasn't so common. So I was li literally isolated for like two years. No phone, no internet. By the end, there, there was internet, but us, like the dial super slow and didn't work very well. So it was a great experience. But I lived immersed in nature for two years, learned a lot about the local uh, culture with the local cowboys. And it was um, that changed my life forever. That's how I started with tourism. So after I came back to the university, finished it <clears throat> and then would come on vacation to work as a freelance guide. guide. And uh, there we did like hiking, a lot of safaris, uh, canoe, like everything in nature. Uh, and Pantanal is an amazing ecosystem. If you don't know, you should go visit. Um, so I did a lot of back and forth until I graduated. Then I worked in Brotas in a rafting company. So I never left tourism. And I moved along Brazil, my way of learning about different ecosystems and working different types of companies. So I worked in eco lodges. Uh, so I moved around a lot and got to know my country a little bit and learned a lot about tourism. So, yeah, never stopped. So it's been more than 20 years. I'm 38 years old now. So I was 19 when I started. So it's uh, it's, uh, it's been a while. And um, so now I'm the Latin American and Caribbean director for the Adventure Travel Trade Association, which is a global organization uh, that really our mission is really to help this uh, niche of tourism to develop anything nature and, and culture related. So we define adventure as having at least two of three elements, uh, activity, nature, and culture. So uh, most of it is soft. Uh, you know, most of the, the activities are like bike and hike and literally getting small groups and going to really experience some destination or some culture. So uh, our mission is really to help uh, this niche grow um, because we truly believe in it. We really have made some economical impact studies where it showed that, you know, with adventure travel, uh, 65 to 67 percent of the revenue brought by the tourists stays in the destination, mm -hmm. while the mass, uh, more traditional tourism, uh, only 10, 11 percent stays. So we really believe that this is a great type of tourism. And for that, we do like research, education. We put on events for the industry, for the whole globe. So it's more than 100 countries representing the TTA, and I'm the Latin American, the Caribbean. So I have the fun, party, good music <laughs> region. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's one of my very favorite places to travel as well. So I, yes. I understand that love. Um, I love what you were saying about the amount of revenue that stays mm -hmm. in the country and in the destination when you travel this way. Um, I, for me, that's really important when I launched Lotus Sojourns. That is one of the values that I really wanted to use tourism as uh, an avenue to invest in the areas that I'm traveling to. Um, can you speak a little bit more for people who maybe aren't familiar with how their money is, um, how it 
is utilized in the economy in a more mass tourism sense versus in this more responsible model? Totally. And um, I love that we start to think about that. <clears throat> you know, the tourists were always like, I deserve this vacation. And we do, but also comes with a lot of responsibilities. You know, in the tourism industry, we're called guests for a reason. You are a guest, you know, when you visit a destination, when you go through a village, and we need to think about uh, what, what our impact is and hopefully make our impact positive by really taking care and uh, leaving more than we took, right, when we visited. Because there is impact, you know, like when we visit, we use more water, we dump trash, you know, there is all these things. And then over terms is a whole other thing where we change the dynamics of how a small village can feel. Um, so uh, it's good that we're starting to think like that. And, and I am really glad. Um, so the, the really difference, I think, is one uh, with the adventure travel, eco. And uh, by the way, the names don't really matter. It's just like, just keep in mind, we're talking about nature and culture-based tourism, which it could be called ecotourism, community-based tourism, rural. There are so many names and we just say vacation, right? When we travel. Right. So it doesn't really, don't get hooked up on the name, but just know what I'm talking about is like the more small groups, nature-related uh, culture, where the experience really matters. So what I said with small groups is the big difference too. So usually we go to off the beaten path destinations in smaller groups with a guide that is taking us to experience something. Uh, that's a big difference from the big buses, the big cruise ships, the big, big, big groups, you know, where you're just like in a hurry and you take a picture and you leave. Um, so it's a more in, uh, deeper connection and a more slow pace, but it's smaller groups. And then you stay usually in more our homestays or boutique hotels, smaller, because you want that experience. So that's the big difference. So the money usually stays more in the community. Um, helps a lot, um, you know, generate more jobs. We also could prove that and generates a little bit more jobs than the traditional. Uh, because of that, you're like um, having a cooking class in the village. You're helping like the community there. You then bar having like or a handcraft class and then you're buying, you know, the handcraft or you're visiting a cough production, whatever. So the money usually stays more uh, in the destination instead of leaving your country and going to big corporations abroad and that sometimes don't even pay taxes in your country, all that. So it's um, because you usually work with local guides, smaller boutique companies, the money usually stays more. And you go to places and buy local food, local stuff. So that's pretty much the basic. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting thing to bring up because a lot of people when they hear about, and I kind of use the word uh, conscious or intentional travel to kind of encapsulate all of the different things that people think of. Um, but easy steps that I always say are looking, like you said, for a smaller hotel, a local hotel, because it is, um, staying in that economy. A lot of times, um, I think people just aren't aware that if they're staying at a, a Hilton or Marriott or like a larger chain hotel, um, mm -hmm. the money just doesn't sit in the country and the economy the same way it's leaving back to wherever the parent company is from, um, so that really helps and like, and visiting local restaurants, not only are you supporting them, but then you, like you said, you're really authentically connecting to the culture by enjoying a traditional meal in a traditional style. And 
Um, for me, I know when I first started traveling a little bit um, more adventurous and um, engaging a community, it, it might have felt intimidating. Um, but now I'm really disappointed if I don't have that experience because I feel like I'm being robbed of actually being within the destination. And that's what I what I want when I travel. So um, I love that it, it fills me up, but it's also rewarding to the place where I'm visiting. So I think it is really beneficial on both sides. Yeah, it's great to see how people start owning their own and having more pride to their in a good way about their culture and their history, you know, because sometimes I've seen this a lot in my, my travels where people don't put value on their culture and their traditions. They think, oh, yeah, we always do this. Or, you know, the, their food even, like there is like mango falling in a square in Latin America all the time. And people are like, yeah, it's just mango, you know, and then you go like you live here and then you're like, I miss those mangoes, you know, like and, they, and then you, I come there and I'm like, oh, my God, you guys, do you know you have this mango tree right here? And they're like, oh, and I, I live traditions too, like the music, the food, the everything. And I love that, too. And people take ownership about who they are and what define them. And we always talk about that, like nature. Uh, it's amazing and I love it, but it's also like it, there are beautiful waterfalls everywhere and beautiful. Like, what makes a, a destination truly special is that cultural interaction and, and learning uh, about people culture. That's what put some, you know, uh, places on the map. So having that pride to be like, okay, I'm Brazilian, like, you know, I own it. And, uh, you know, it's not perfect. Not saying I'm better than anybody, but I, I own this. And I see that transformation in the local culture too, you know, because especially in rural communities, they were like poor, right? They like, they, they don't live in the city, you know, which is right. changing now. Like a lot of people are actually leaving the big cities and going, live in the field and, and uh, understanding that the nature relation is actually a very rich experience that we all have. So it's yeah. good. I can really relate to that. When I started out, um, one of my first jobs in the tourism industry, I was working for a, a tour operator that did um, small adventure cruises and some land package tours and um, all very, very small. They went to all these amazing places like Galapagos and South America and Central America, all these places. And um, they said, we really want you to go and help guide this trip. It's, you know, your time, you get your reward. And um, I grew up in Montana and they said, the trip you get to guide is the Montana rail trip. <laughs> I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like all these places in the world that I could go and I'm just going home. Um, but for me, the minute I joined my group at the airport in my least favorite town, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I began to see it through their eyes and get excited about my state and where I grew up the way that they were seeing it. And then when we took them through like Yellowstone and Glacier and they just were in awe. And I just realized uh -huh. I had grown up in one of the most beautiful places on the planet, but I just didn't see it because it was my home. Mm -hmm. And so oh, that yeah. honor and that pride that you're talking about, I, I really understand that because from that moment on, I, my, my mind had shifted from always wanting to leave to now I always want to return home. <laughs> that's interesting. So, yeah. yeah I've seen so that a lot. I think that's, I think that's really valuable too, to, to let people be invested in who they are and where they come from and know that it's, it's really important. And, and there's always a different perspective when you're in it, but it, it helps you to th see it through somebody else's eyes too. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally agree. 
So I was also wanting to talk a little bit about, um, I mean, obviously the state of tourism and travel right now is um, very unique in trying to project forward and what travel looks like now and what it might look like in the future. And I know you and I have talked a little bit about this before, but how do you see um, what is happening now affecting what we're going to see in the future and what travelers might be looking for in the future? I think it, it will vary a little bit on the type of, um, you know, person and what they, they and where they're from and their life experiences, right? Like if a person is already, was already very nervous about going abroad and I've heard people like, I don't travel to countries that don't speak English, for example, there are people like that while I'm, I'm locked that afraid. So it depends on the personality, but I think fear is a big word. You know, people will be very fearful uh, going forward. And for that, uh, I think the tourism industry really needs to reassure, um, you know, the trust. And then of course, pro health protocols and hygiene protocols will be a big thing everywhere and, and probably will change. And I hope they don't make our lives at the airports way more miserable than already is but <laughs> but um like we we can expect that too like um you know it's it's gonna be a little complicated and we're gonna have to adjust right we're still in the midst of it we don't know exactly you know some days even things are changing right um mm -hmm. as we go but uh, i think it, like trust to be important so i think for the tourism industry we need to um, you really explain what you're doing as a company, even if you're like from a guide to like a hotel owner like you you're gonna have to bring back that confidence uh, and i think the adventure travel and nature-based uh, activities are, are good because usually like i said we go to remote areas and in smaller groups and that's way more attractive than sitting in a bus with like you know 40 other people strangers that you don't know instead you go with uh, your family group or a group close group of friends and do a tour you know then you go on a bike ride and you have distance and it's all you know i think we have an advantage on that i hope <laughs> on that uh, front but i think yeah trust will be important like we've been seeing and listening to people you know the first um, type of tourism that we'll probably go back is your backyard is the domestic near you you know like road trips are going to be a big thing and then regional people are going to start so hopefully they will start uh putting more loving their own hometown like we we're just talking about and and mm -hmm. just discovering that those little treasures around that they you know, took for granted and then going regionally until we feel comfortable enough to get on a long flight to go to a country. So it's going to take a while and we're going to have to buckle up a little bit on that. But I think um, we, as an industry, we have been through a lot. Like a tourism industry goes through, you know, countries like go through earthquakes and uh, the Caribbean is a great example from my region about like resilience, right? Like hurricanes go through, destroy the whole thing and then but um, I think we we can adapt and 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 grow and and learn and hopefully this big pause will help us learn that we have one planet and that we all live on it that the borders are relative right like you just there is no line when you cross you know the border we all just together so I think I hope the tourism industry will will teach us I hope we would claim more free time with our families and friends which will claim that leisure like the you know, just uh, we were running too much. So I think for one side, we all learned uh, that we, we should slow down a bit and enjoy more. So local trips, discover your treasures around you. 
and share with your family and friends and and think about the impact you're bringing to. So I think people will be more conscious too, I hope, you know, thinking the impact impact on the climate, uh, the impact you're doing, because the word, as I said, is only one. Yeah, I I think that um, is really, that feels true to me. And I, I also hope that that's the reality. And I was just thinking, you know, for myself, when I look at where I might travel, um, because of course, I'm already dreaming about where I can go next, because it's very hard for me to not be planning a trip. Um, but I, I feel like I kind of am doing a cost benefit and assessment mm-hmm. in my head, like, um, what what is the richness and the reward that I'm going to get personally? And what um, is my interaction with the destination going to uh, create and allow for wherever I'm going? Or how might it be a detriment to where I'm going? So just being even more intentional about that balance and really thinking about it. So I, I, I hope and aspire that these kind of conversations will create awareness about that and allow for that to happen. And that, um, as you were saying, people are kind of noticing how they need to slow down, be connected with their family, that people will be seeking kind of more mindful, intentional, rich and rewarding travel experiences um, and again, for, for me and for you and for many that we work with, I, I think that allows us to have this unique opportunity because that's how we were already thinking and that's how yeah. we show up in the world and h- how we want to showcase the world is in that very um, intentional and connected way. So I, um, I really look forward to that being a bigger part of the, of the tourism economy as it comes back. Yeah, use the word that I think we should totally think and use um, consciously, intention. I think the tourism industry, you will have to have intention. Otherwise, we'll come back to the same thing. Like people will be like, cheap flights, let's jump on it. And mm-hmm. crowds, like we see some pictures already from China where people are already crowding up in spaces. And um, so it's going to have to be intentional too. I don't think we we can just say, oh, you're going to be so much better now. And um, But I think one thing... Uh, that I notice in my region, especially sometimes the governments don't put a lot of value in tourism as an economy, uh, you know, that brings actually revenue. And now hopefully they put value. Usually there is a lot of like politicians that put the guy that put money in their campaign as the tourism minister that never worked in tourism. And it's just like a political thing. Uh, the minister of tourism, many countries in Latin America, which is sad. So I hope now they like, okay, this is an important economy. And our policies, because now like it affects so much the economy for unemployment, for, you know, like that the government, um, it's has such an important role. And I really beg that the government start thinking about managing their destinations better, you know, and then choosing what type of tourism they want, tourists they want. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the countries, especially in my region, they talk about, oh, numbers of visitors we have, you know, but, um, what money is staying on the destination? They don't talk about that or the impact that actually that causes. They are visiting islands that has no sewer system. So I love the word intention that you use. And I hope that we start building our products and the governments and get engaged and get together. I think it's going to be very important for the tourism industry to to get uh, in associations. I think the guides, for example, was is very clear how the guides uh, are suffering because a lot of them are freelancers. They have no job security. When all this happened, they're on their own. 
So mm-hmm. they have to unite and, and, and work with the government. You know, in my region also, um, there is this, we are so tired of corruption and governments that don't do good things that we're like, I don't want to know anything about the government, but there is no way we can live without, you know, having to be involved and, and get organized and hopefully start doing good, better change. But intention is a good word. And I hope we have that in our hearts uh, from the traveler. What's your intention when you go to governments, to tour operators, to guides and everybody in the chain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that will be really important. And I can think about times when I have traveled, um, my family spends a lot of time in Belize and um, in in really small villages. And I remember at one point when they were talking about bringing in the cruise industry to a different area of the country and how divided people were about, you know, they, how excited they were about the opportunity for income. And then people who had experienced it firsthand being really hesitant because they understood the level of um, burden to this, this, you know, the systems, like you were saying, they, they didn't have the water for it, the electricity, the sewage to be able to manage that influx of people. And then also really understanding how that money might even come because often um, travelers are really guided towards vetted vendors or towards vendors that have actually been put in place by the cruise company. And it's like an illusion of economic, um, you know, of influx of cash from that industry, but it's, it's really hard. I guess what I'm saying, like there's this uh, vision of grandeur and excitement that happens when you think about it, but, but it's not always explained really clearly all the way down or people don't understand the full benefit. So I think that intentional conversation and where we are in close contact with a lot of small operators and guides and businesses to just start conversations so that they can empower themselves and, and stand up for what they need. I mean, they know best how to ask for what they need in their communities and how, what they would like to see and what would serve them. Um, so for me, I get really excited about that because I think those conversations are so great. And when we open up that, um, that window and that place for that to happen, we learn so much from who we're working with. And I, I'm sure for you, that's a really unique perspective because you started there. Like you started in that little tiny operator with no internet and you know what that looks like and feels like. And now you're kind of on the other side being an advocate for them, um, in this association. So I think that that, I, I love how you have like a full circle vantage point for what that looks and feels like. It's so interesting what you said, because we, we are, we're, some of us were taking the human uh, element out of the tourism industry, right? Like it just, you go to your room, your room is clean. It's not magic. Like there was somebody that went there and cleaned it up. And even if you are in an all-inclusive bubble resort, the most of the employees that are coming to clean your room live in the village outside. And now with like the COVID, like you're like really thinking, okay, but like, I can't only think about that. Like I know that they're going back and forth. So um, uh, it is a service industry. It's made by people. And, you know, like we need to care and respect for everybody that is part of this beautiful chain. Like we, we serve and uh, we do that with smiles and, and love and, and care. Uh, but we, you know, we need to be protected as an industry and need to be, the tourists can just walk in and out without thinking that there are a lot of people and families that depend on that, that live through that, 
that's their backyard, you know, like the, the like I said, all includes reserve. The beach was their playground and they grew up there. And how much are we stopping them from being able to do that? So really think about the impact and just remember um, behind the tourism industry, there are tons of people. Um, and we need to think about them and care and be nice <laughs> and uh, look at them because people, they don't see sometimes. They don't see the maids, the waiters. They don't see the maintenance guy in a hotel. They don't see people. It's, they walk through them on the aisles and don't say good morning even. It's just mm -hmm. like, come on, people. I hope this has brought us to us some humbleness and some conscience that we are people and we are trying to make a living and go back to our families and provide you know, mm -hmm. we're all basic humans, right? Yeah. Um, I think that ties really well. We ha had been talking a little bit um, before, um, but about community-based tourism or um, really strategically using tourism as a tool for investment in communities. And I know that we both have an aligned passion for um, what that means for women in rural communities. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about, um, about your vision with that. Yes, totally. I think um, uh, tourism has been always a very male-oriented industry, especially on decision-making and big corporations, mass tourism especially too. Like when we did all our studies, we, we could see that more jobs were generated and more jobs for women were generated because you're going through the communities, you're staying sometimes in a small boutique, you're buying handcrafts, you're learning a cooking class. Um, and not only that, but also... Uh, women have in communities a, a voice and they have decision making, they have leadership in most of the communities. And um, I've seen and, and I, I've been through like talking to ministers and you go to like tourism events. It's a bunch of suits and it's a bunch of guys. And then you see one woman here uh, over there. Uh, it's a very male oriented industry, even though, you know, it's a service industry. And, you know, like naturally the women, we are so powerful and we, we can lead, we can host, we can like, you know, it's just so much for 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 the industry to learn from us so uh, equal pay is definitely a problem in the tourism industry um and so i think we need to uh start thinking about that and changing those things too with intention again and uh just being aware that um we, are, we shouldn't just have like low pay income in the tourism industry uh, women, uh, we are equals and we can do every type. We can be ministers of tourism, we can be presidents, we can be, um, you know, director of a big hotel chain and whatever, why not? Uh, and not being looking down or getting less paid. So tourism can be uh, a tool for that. Uh, but I, again, again, and we're going to need the intention again. Mm -hmm. So yes, let's, uh, and there are beautiful projects. There are tons of beautiful, in Brazil, we have tons of beautiful community-based tourism. Peru is a great example where you see the, the empowerment of women and how that has changed the economy and leadership examples and how that changed. Uh, it's proven so many studies that if you have more women in leadership in your company, in any type of business, you do better. So stopping being so macho, macho and bring women in. <laughs> yeah, I, I have definitely noticed that myself. I mean, I have been in different areas of the tourism industry for almost 20 years and I have definitely felt that moment, especially when I was younger and not as confident walking into a room of, of all men in suits and just uh, wondering if I belong there, which is really difficult and, um, and having to overcome that, um, 
and I, I do feel really um, blessed that I'm in the segment that we're in where I feel like this kind of more conscious brand of tourism is much more open to supporting women in the industry. But I also remember, um, and I think you and I talked about this, the first time that I went to the Adventure Travel Summit and um, and there was two women that got up and spoke. And it was the first time that I actually could envision myself mm -hmm. as a leader in the industry and, mm -hmm. and really hadn't seen anyone that I could look up to in, in that way. And I just, it, it finally gave me permission to even dream it. Um, so I think totally. um, I've had experiences where I wasn't being heard, you know, because, um, they were asking my colleague, which was a guy and the guy actually to his credit and uh was like no you should ask her she's she knows more than this element than i do and the the you know the people like okay and like listen to me for a second and went back to the guy uh you know and i've seen that happen and uh i think i it's an invitation for the guys out there too like to be aware and what did my colleague did to me and and actually empowered me in front of these other people you should be doing too and and just noticing those things because it's so like uh in inside our cultures now that you know especially in some regions of the world which is more uh that it's normal right you, you don't have don't let the don't let the women have a voice so don't pay them the same or uh just don't don't treat them as equals and um again the intention word i think that that's the word of our talk today if i had to summarize mm -hmm. and i hope guys out there have the intention to keep an eye and, and looking around if your colleagues your female colleagues are being treated right with respect and being listened to mm -hmm. and not main explained and all those things just like really giving them the, the voice and i think um i see that more in uh community-based and last masterism but we all should learn and we all go back and forth and we all make mistakes you know but uh intention just have that in the back of your head saying all right i'll keep a look <laughs> yeah i think it's a really important conversation and i was already dreaming that my uh, season two of the soul of travel i think i really would love to focus on women in the industry and in all different facets from you know the all over the supply chain and what that experience looks like and um, how tourism is used as a tool to empower um, women in other countries, because that is one of the things that I really focus on within my trips and connecting with artisans and meeting with women around the world to create a connected community of women. That's my passion. And I hadn't really even thought to tie the two together until you and I talked prior to this call. So I, I love that. I'm already so excited for the next round. Yeah, I really felt it too, because I'm married to an industry leader myself. And, uh, you know, and that was, um, I had to kind of reprove myself too, you know, that I'm not, I have my value and I think I've done it, but I, I felt from in the beginning, especially, I'm not just the wife, you know, I, I actually have a role and working together is, uh, can be complicated. I don't want to be defined at somebody else's wife. Like I'm Gabby, so I have my whole uh, career, I have tons of experience and I don't want to be, the, because sometimes that happens too. Like, okay, you're wife of so-and-so and people stop listening to you and just put you in that category. So sometimes I just say, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I introduce myself without saying like, you know, because sometimes it derails the conversation. People stop listening to me. 
Um, so I have to prove, but I think uh, just keep working hard for the women out there. Just believe in yourself. Don't give up and just keep, because the best way to show is not even to brag about how good you are. It's just do it and it's going to show up, you know, it's going to show up with time. Just be patient. Don't give up. And um, people will learn that you have your value and you have your voice and you have your knowledge. So, yeah. 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 Um, so one of the other things that I really wanted um, this this uh, interview series to showcase is the power of travel and um, the power it has for connection and transformation. And I was just wondering if you might share with us um, one travel experience that you think would really resonate with people or that impacted you in a great way. Mm -hmm. I have so many, we can be talking here for hours, for but hours. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell one uh, uh, that really was, um, I think one of my favorite trips and one of that really taught me so much is my trips to Kosovo and the Balkans. And uh, we did a bike ride through the rural communities. And, you know, I would forget where I was because it was very similar to rural Brazil where I grew up. And you know, it's the same thing, farmers, family, people cooking, you know, and so sometimes I would even forget what I was riding my bike, trying to catch my breath out of shape. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And then I would uh, see like a, a village cemetery and, um, and that would, my guide went through, you know, the 1999 uh, massacre that helped in the, happened in the Balkans. And that was so close to, to them. And I, was really ignorant in the, I knew about the Kosovo war and, and everything, but I didn't, Brazil is such a peaceful country. We in war, like, okay, even to protest the president out, we do parties on the street. But um, so the war for me is such a, a foreign concept that um, it was really humbling to, to know. And our guide was brilliant and really good. And he was explaining all the history. And I Googled all the history in between like Serbia, Kosovo, Albania, and I was like, I felt so ignorant about the details, but it was also humbling to understand, like those are families, those are people, the fact of the war in their community, the multi-generation, that guy was saying like, I'm trying to teach my son not to hate the neighbors uh, anymore. And he's like third generation after it. And still it's so deep in their culture. Uh, so that was a, a really humbling trip and really transformative because I really understood the impact of the war, but also the humanity that people are just humans. Literally, you can cross the street and go to, feels like a different neighborhood and is a different uh, type of religion, is a different type of language, is a different flag. Um, and that was so, but it, it's all people and they're all neighbors, literally. And um, how, watch a trip that changed my life in that element of putting me in the context of how we are so different and so common that we all need the basic things and uh, how, of course, when we can't get along and we can have a health dialogue, we can do ugly things to each other that are unnecessary. You know, one of the most special moments of that trip uh, was actually, so we did the whole Balkans, not the whole, but a lot of the Balkans. And then my last time was in Albania and we, I was walking uh, and tired, like it was the end of the day, needed a coffee, couldn't speak the language. There was this community, this village, this older guy, shepherd, and uh, so I was asking him if there was coffee anywhere. There was nothing. And he trying to communicate with me. And then his wife came along and they brought us to their house and we had coffee. They made like the coffee for us and pointed pictures with no language at all. Uh, but they're 
showing pictures of their kids. We talked, like I said, Brazil, they like soccer, of course. I always hear that. Uh, Pelé, Pelé. Uh, and we had a lovely coffee together. Of course, they didn't charge us. And that just, that was just um, like comforting to know. Like, we are all the same. Like I said before, the borders don't matter. We all need shelter, love, family. You know, we need to provide. We that's it. And the more we, we travel, the more you connect with people and you understand that you're not better than anybody that, you know, we have a lot to learn from those people. So that's one of the examples, but that was still one of my favorite trips. And again, I'm like, oh man, I'm so ignorant. I was feel ignorant when I travel, but that mm-hmm. why I want to travel more because I learned so much about culture and about, you know, like if history uh, and, and about those plays. So that's a smaller example. But if you haven't been to, to the Balkans, go. It's, it's definitely a great, great area. Nature is amazing. Food is delicious. And people are kind. And it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely love to. I, I really feel like everywhere I want to go, but I have heard such great stories from that area as well. And I think that what you were saying about that moment when you really connect as just brothers and sisters of the human race is for me, um, always, it's just that humbling, even moment where you, you just feel different. And that is always my favorite part of traveling, no matter where I am. Like, I just feel like I've been given that gift over and over where I just pause and, I just get to share space really beautifully with whomever I'm connecting with. And I always feel like that's the biggest gift that they give me and that I can receive. And that's what I really try to offer and create on the experiences that I offer as well as just moments where that might be able to happen. And obviously we have to be open to it. Um, but I think it's the most powerful thing that travel offers. And like you were saying, even people who travel all the time and, and I've traveled, you know, with people who've been in the industry for 40 years and I, I swear they've been on every inch of this planet and you still sometimes watch them have that moment where they, they are like, wow, I, I don't know anything. Like, I can't believe yeah. I didn't know this. You, you, you set out so confident, like as you get on the airplane and you're like, I'm just, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take this trip, take charge of this experience. And like the minute your feet hit the soil, you realize you were wrong in the best way. Always. I I feel like always, I just, it begins that minute, like the trip starts to teach you and to give you the lessons that are waiting for you. And, um, I just think that's so powerful and, um, really important when you, again, I think when you send the intention to be really immersed in your journey and your experience, um, then you create more room for that to happen. So exactly. Um, just be I, respectful, I, be open, right. Be humble about it. Just be aware that you were guest in those people's mm-hmm. areas and villages and whatnot and, and be very, very open to, but usually 99% of the time you're going to have people so kind to you that it's going to blow your mind. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've been yeah. to communities, where from outside they, they look poor or whatnot and they are like sharing, they bringing you in for a meal. They are giving you something. They're, you know, exchanging hats with you and, and mm-hmm. just so proud to show where they live and what they do. And, and that's so beautiful. I think uh, even people are asking a lot, like, will the virtual experience uh, substitute a real trip? I don't think so because 
um, you can create that, uh, you know, the smells, the heat, the, the hug, the, the sharing, the flavor of the food. Uh, it can be a tool uh, for sure, but I don't think it will ever because uh, the immersion is what does a lot of the transformation when you travel and just be part of that ecosystem and the sounds and the birds and like everything, like it's the whole context that helps. So uh, I think we need to go see it. And once you live that, that's the travel bug people say, once yeah. you had that transformation experience, see, there is no way I'm like, yeah, I'm done with it. You know, I want more of that and I want to know more and be less ignorant yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the matter, in the, the true word, like, it, like not knowing things, like I really want to know more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely uh, addicting, and um, but in in the best way. So, mm-hmm. um, let me see if there was anything else that I specifically wanted to ask you. Um, I, well, I'll let you if there's anything else that you wanted to share. But the other thing that I wanted to do is just make sure that um, allow space for um, if there's any way that. Um, people can support um, ATTA or organizations that you work with. I know there's so many people obviously that um, are really trying to keep their businesses alive, um, nonprofits that a lot of our companies support. I don't know if there's a resource or anything that you would like to share for our listeners that um, they can get in touch with you or in touch with to support directly. Definitely. So we, our industry has an organization called Adventure Travel Conservation Fund, which is a fund where a lot of the members donate for it. And that amount of money is usually used in projects all over the world um, related to adventure travel, community-based tourism, from structure to training to anything those projects need. So that's a great way to be involved if you want to donate there. And um for like as a person, for everybody out there, too, is just be more aware that the impact that you do when you travel, make make conscious choices, even if they're not the cheapest ones. Um, make the conscious choice of your travel, your purchases, um, you know, what you do. Uh, and also be respectful. Uh, try to, you can help by still not canceling and asking for a refund. We are struggling right now. More, more companies are struggling. Um, so, so if you can postpone, uh, if you can buy a gift certificate for somebody at some point, if you're not, if you haven't been affected by like us in the tourism industry and your industry is doing fine, considering supporting like guides, uh, that's a, that's a big one. You know, there are a lot of small companies doing go crowdfund me, look back in the, in the companies you've traveled and go see how they're doing. They probably, uh, have GoFundMe, they have probably asking, uh, you know, for you to non-cancel. Uh, go back and think about those people, those amazing trips you have and see how you can help with those small projects. There are many out there right now. Uh, if you don't know any, go to our website or the Adventure Travel Conservation Fund website and you can donate there. Um, and it's a, so it's a nonprofit. You can get all the benefits of the taxes part and you're doing something good, but just be aware, think twice and do some research, ask the tough questions next time you travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. It, because it is a privilege, you know, to travel and you should be a conscious traveler. So that's my invitation, uh, and my challenge be intentional in your thoughts when you travel. Excellent. 
Well, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation and have been looking forward to it for so long. So I'm grateful that this time is here. And uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time with me and with everyone who's listening today. Yeah, if anybody wants to um, know more, talk to, please email me, Gabby at adventuretravel.biz. Happy to um, follow you too. And if you want to know where to travel, ETJ is a global organization. If you're like, I really, really wanted to go to Papua New Guinea and I don't know anybody. We, we know, we know somebody. So feel free to contact me. And as we are all brothers and sisters, like we talk. So happy to, to be here for you guys, anything you need. And thank you for the opportunity. It was a fun, fun interview. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hope to see you soon. Stay, stay healthy. <laughs> thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy to connect with you. You can find more about the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourn community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here, you can find out more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can also find the Lotus Sojourns I Guide for Women, as well as my current book, Sojourn, offering an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective, or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or Soul of Travel Podcast. Join the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.